This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. You'll want to book a line right now if you haven't already. 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740 to make sure you get a chance to ask the question that relates to you and your body and how it responds to food. We're beginning a new year. We're seeing all of the ads for various weight loss programs and diets. But is there really a need for popular food trends to continue? Continue into 2018. You've heard of some of them gluten free, carb free, vegan, non GMO, dairy free, organic, just to name a few. And here to bust what bad food is and tell us what a healthy, balanced diet looks like for 2018 is Dr. Aaron Carroll, author of The Bad Food Bible How and Why to Eat Sinfully. Dr. Carroll is also the director of the Center for Health Policy and Professionalism Research and has a popular. YouTube channel called Healthcare Triage, where he talks about health research and health policy. Dr. Carroll joins us from his office in Indiana. Great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. So, so eating sinfully, how can we eat sinfully? That that just feels like that goes against everything we've been told for decades. Well, I, I wouldn't take this as a lesson to go out and eat <laughs> whenever you want, whenever or whatever you want, whenever you want it. But I think the idea that diets based on sort of total abstention or by identifying something that is the problem and then saying, I'm just going to avoid that entirely and everything will be okay, none of those diets work. Um, this has been shown by research again and again and again, and it doesn't matter what the panic du jour is or sort of what we identify. The truth of the matter is that almost all food is fine. You just have to find sort of a healthier way to eat in moderation. It, there is no magic in identifying one bad apple or one you know, cause of everything that's bad in your life and then trying to get rid of it. It doesn't work. No bad foods then. Is it, so it, it, really? What yeah, you're, you have to go far. I mean, like uh, trans fats are bad, but we've banned those pretty much. Um, and, you know, added sugars, it's really hard to defend added sugar. But again, that's easily identifiable and, and, and there's no reason to go overboard with that. But with respect to most of the major nutrients and things that people popularly demonize, almost no research exists to show, show that those things are truly bad for us as part of a healthy diet. Now, what, what I've been told even by my own doctor that, you know, over 50, your metabolism slows down a bit. It's a good idea to eat fewer carbs at night because of the way your body uh, digests these foods. Is there truth to that or is that yet another myth? That's really yet another myth. There's really sort of, no, you know, it's what you eat over a long period of time, not the timing of the meal. There was a lot of research that came out that started the, to, to years ago that started to point to the idea that eating at night makes people gain a lot of weight, but that's not the way the research was designed. What they found was that people who ate at night 
tended to be heavier. But what they didn't acknowledge was the people who eat at night also tend to eat a lot during the day as well. Right. Um, and when they did better studies that just changed when people ate morning, noon, night, it didn't really make much of a difference at all. It's sort of holistically what you do with your diet over a 24-hour period that matters and how much you consume, not the timing of when you eat it. Nor is there anything specific about the timing of the day with respect to any one nutrient. There is no better time of the day to eat carbs. There's no worse time of the day to eat carbs. There's no good research behind any of that either. Well, that's very interesting. So um, because I, I started trying to do that, at least during the week, and I know I'm not alone because other people are getting the same advice from their doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's in my head, but it's, it seems to work. Maybe it's that, you know, I'm actually eating less as opposed yep. to that I'm eating. It's the fewer carbs that make, that's making the difference. So almost any diet that you choose will work in the short term. And this is what the research shows. When they do large randomized control trials that pit diets head to head, they are, they almost all do exactly the same. They, they get you to lose weight in the short term, but then in the long run, you wind up gaining most of it back, if not more. Probably that's because any time you engage in any kind of diet, you're just starting to focus when you weren't before. You're becoming more conscious of what you're eating. You're paying attention to it. And because of that, you're probably adopting a slightly healthier eating pattern, which of course works in the short term, but then as you stop losing, as you start to lose that focus or start to not pay attention as well, everything comes sliding back. So, Yes, in the same way that people who often start to avoid gluten start to avoid a lot of processed foods and processed carbs. People who then try to eat naturally organic, you know, start to focus perhaps more on fruits and vegetables and less on, on processed food in general. And so any of these things likely, likely works in the short term, but unless it's part of a long, sustainable eating pattern, you're not going to see those benefits stick around. Okay, so let's talk about individual foods then um, and how much we can eat. I mean, in in terms of calories, would that be the best way of going at it? So if you you had the right amount of calories, it doesn't matter what those calories are made up of? Well, not entirely, because of course you wouldn't want to eat only donuts. (laughs) But what if the the calories in the donuts added up to what you should be having to maintain your weight, say? Not that you would eat donuts all day, but just as an example. No, because you need, I mean, you do require some level of protein, you do require some level of fat, you do require some level of carbohydrates um, in order to sort of maintain a healthy eating pattern. Um, and you will read people who say, no, you can avoid any one or two or three of those same things. But the truth of the matter is that there's no other animal on the planet that tries to abstain from one of those three groups in general. Everything needs protein and fat and carbohydrates. And so, you know, we can quibble about the exact amounts, but if you eat a variety of foods from food groups and you eat, you know, a variety of ingredients and, and, and you don't really focus, you're probably going to wind up somewhere that's, that's appropriate. Um, there is no set exact amount that anyone can tell you that will be the amount of food that you need. Um, you know, we can talk about whether it's a 2,000 calorie diet or a 1,500 calorie diet or even a higher calorie diet. And we can talk about no fat or no protein or no carbs. But everyone is individual. And the truth of the matter is that as you start to lose weight, your metabolism probably slows down and you therefore require even fewer calories, which is why people have a harder time keeping up. Most nutritional guidelines, however, try to prescribe for you 
some number and then get you to stick to it, and mm-hmm. it's really unsustainable. Better nutritional guidelines, and they do exist. In fact, you know, Brazil's are some of the best around. Focus more on the idea of you should try to avoid processed foods. You should try to eat, you know, a variety of things. You want to eat some meat. You want to eat some vegetables and fruits. And you want to, you know, carbs are probably fine. But for the most part, try to stay away from lightly processed foods and heavily processed foods. And as, as much as you can, eat lightly processed foods in favor of heavily processed foods. And if you do that and you're conscious of what you're eating, you're probably going to wind up somewhere healthy. Are you intrigued? I, I know I have a whole list of questions here for the doctor, but I don't want to hog him all for myself. So I'm going to encourage you to call in during the break. Uh, maybe you have had um, a regimen that has been somewhat successful, but you're looking to fine tune it. And with the doctor's assistance, uh, perhaps you can do that. 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. We're right back. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to be with you here on the second day of January of a brand new year. We're talking with Dr. Aaron Carroll, author of The Bad Food Bible, How and Why to Eat Sinfully. Just before we go to the calls, doctor, uh, you look like a fit guy from your picture on the web. I'm, I'm just wondering what would a typical day of food consumption look like for you? So, interestingly enough, like, I'm not a huge breakfast time fan. I love breakfast food, but I don't like to eat first thing in the morning. So all I really have in the morning is a cup of coffee. Uh, I'm just not hungry. And, in fact, that was one of the, the main arguments that started, you know, some of the, the discussions that led to the book is that my wife and I used to argue because we tried. she would want to force feed one of our children in the morning before he went off for school and he wasn't hungry. But so, anyway, I don't eat breakfast. Um, lunch is usually something on the lighter side because I'm still not really that hungry, maybe a salad or, um, you know, a small sandwich or something like that. And then at dinner is we eat reasonably healthy. I'd say we, I mean, reasonably well in the sense that we cook, I think, probably five nights a week. Um, one night perhaps is, you know, taking the family out to dinner and then Saturday night going out to dinner, my wife and I. So I tend to sort of eat a heavier dinner um, that's my really big meal of the day. But that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily advocate that that is a good way to eat or a bad way to eat. That, that is what works for, for Aaron Carroll. Um, and I know lots of other people who eat completely differently who do very well doing what they do. Personalized re- diet eating regime. I, I like the idea of that as something new for 2018. Let's see what Ida in Mississauga wants to ask or tell you about. Hi, Ida. Hi. A uh, happy new year! To happy all. new year to you. Go happy ahead. Well. Um, I find it interesting that everyone's talking about losing weight. I want to gain weight, huh. and I was ill. I'm going to say 15 years ago, lost uh, 45 pounds. Have not. I've only regained. 15 of those in the last 15 years. And, and how, what weight would you, or how much more weight would you like to put back well, on? Well, I'm 100 pounds and I'm 5 foot tall. Okay. So you know, you're like a I'm, small person. I've got a closet. I've got not a closet, but closets full of clothes that are uh, a size 5 to 7. And I'm wearing 0 to 2 clothes. And, and you and just, you would prefer just, to have a little bit more want, weight. I want to gain weight. Okay. Okay. And I can't like 
I'm just not hungry. Okay, I'll leave you with the doctor and see what his advice is. Okay, so, thank you. I would, I would say that I, I hope my focus has not been on how to lose weight. In fact, none of this is about dieting. I think dieting is a terrible idea. In fact, I, I'm much more of a fan of just eating healthy, sustainable eating patterns. Plus, I think we're all too much focused on if we could only be five or ten points lighter or heavier. That's rarely going to make any kind of difference in anyone's health um, and probably will make a huge difference in people's happiness. It may be that 100 pounds is just where your body wants to be, and that's a, and it might be very healthy. I would talk to your doctor about that. But I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about gaining weight because you used to be heavier or because, um, you know, clothes might fit better. In the same way that I don't advocate that people lose a small amount of weight for those reasons as well. Clearly, if you are obese or significantly overweight and it's having an impact on your health, it would behoove you to find a healthier eating pattern so that you can, you know, reach a state where you are perhaps enjoying yourself more, being healthier, um, really being happier. But I, I think we tend to focus too much on the, the scale and the number when talking about, you know, what we should be eating or how healthy we should be. There are extremes that are bad, but there's a huge range of totally fine. Um, and I would rather see people focus on that with respect to eating uh, than with the idea that there's some arbitrary number that they have to hit. Ida. Oh, you know what, Doc? It's not that. It's not that so much. It's more mm-hmm. that um, I know this is not where I should be. You know. Do you feel unwell, Ida? Is that par- um, part of it? I guess I feel that um, I want. Well, I don't have the strength or the physicality or whatever, and no. I truly want to gain more weight, but I. Damn well can't. Like, no matter what I do, you know, I I just can't. I think this is where you really need to go speak to your physician, but... Oh, God, help me. Energy energy (laughs) and, like, how much strength you have. Okay, hang on, Ida. Let the doctor speak. Okay. Energy and strength that you have is much less related, likely, to what you're eating and how much, you know, food you're consuming than it is with respect to physical activity and with respect to exercise. Um, And so the way to build up strength and the way to build up, you know, you know, the ability to, to do more is probably through increasing your levels of physical activity. Eating more calories or eating more fat is not going to all of a sudden pep up your activity or make you stronger. So, so in the sense that weight is definitely much more related to nutrition than exercise, strength and probably, you know, energy is much more related probably to exercise than it is to nutrition. So, you know, if that's the reason that you feel you need to eat more, I'd talk to your physician about trying to perhaps come with a new activity routine that might give you some more strength and, and energy. Um, but again, to, to, this is a problem is that we, we, we have this sense of where we should be with respect to weight. But a lot of that is not dictated by health or by science as much as it is just by society and, and you know, norms that have been established about what the ideal body weight and weight people look is. That is, again, not related to individuals' needs, and it's not related in, any, in most in most cases, to research or evidence or data or science, then we'd be much more likely, much happier if we'd let a lot of that go and just focus on general moderation and sustainable healthy eating patterns than worrying about what changes we need to do to make the needle on the scale move up or down a few pounds. Okay, Ida, I'm going to let you go. I hope that was helpful. 
Thank you. Okay, thanks. Uh, You used a word there about deconditioning ourselves. How do we do that? I mean, for a lot of us women in a certain age range, in our 50s, 60s, we were uh, we were brought up hearing our mothers talk about the, the caloric intake of food and getting on the scale. How do we change that mindset so many decades into our lives? It's hard. All behavior change is hard, which is why it has to be slow and steady. Um, really crash diets don't work. Massively altering, altering your behavior is not going to be sustainable. Um, and it's why a lot of the, the ideas behind demonizing a certain food and saying if you just abandoned all carbs, if you just abandoned all gluten, or if you just abandoned all of this or that, that's hard to do. It's almost impossible. And for the vast majority of people, it is not sustainable. So um, what really needs to happen is slow changes that you feel like you can really keep up for the long term. You can do it. It's just, it's, it just, it has to, it involves patience. It involves slow, steady change and trying to adopt healthier mindsets about the food that we're eating and, and what we can do. Learning to cook for yourself can be a major change because eating food that has been prepared for you by others um, almost inevitably makes it easier to eat more than you need and makes it harder to know, and I mean know, sort of understand exactly what you're eating. Uh, The more and more you can cook for yourself, probably the better off you're going to be. Your questions for Dr. Aaron Carroll. Keep them coming, 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-744-740. A few more minutes here. Let's go to Joan. Joan is in Oshawa. Happy New Year, Joan. Happy New Year to you, Libby, and to Dr. Aaron. It's Jane, but that's Thank okay. You. I'll pass oh, it along. Sorry, Jane. <laughs> no worries. Go ahead. Um, uh, I lost, I, I went from old, well over 200 pounds. Uh, now I'm about 147. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But I did it in four years. It took me right. four years. What I what did, one of the things I did was I cut out everything white because I was finding that white, like pasta, bread, anything that's white, after I'd eat, I'd probably about 20 minutes to a half an hour, and I'd fall asleep. Right. So I cut out the white, and that really helped. And I do my own cooking. I make stews. I make uh, meatloafs, everything. Joan, well, that I sounds great. And I, I want to ask talking. Dr. Aaron, what's the, what comprises the light... Um, what do you call it? Um, you mentioned that there was a uh, processing, like light processing, process. heavy processing. Yes. So, so this, I think that's probably what gave you much of your success. Is that you know. Heavily, when I say processing, you don't want to think necessarily of the like industrial food realm. Processing means stuff has been done to it to make it before you got it. So, apple juice is processed. Apples are not, and apple juice just is a way to make it easier to get the appley goodness into your body than nature intended. Um, nature wanted you to eat the apple. When we make apple juice, we just make it much easier to get more of it into you which means that pretty much all juice is a processed food. Um, heavily processed foods are things like pasta and bread. Where you, where obviously, you're far off from wheat. When you get to bread, we've made it incredibly easy to get grain, and not even grain, but flour, and not even that, but to get lots and lots of carbs and other things into your body easier than you probably should. Does that mean you should never eat bread? No. 
But you just need to be conscious of the idea that a lot of those processed foods, many of which you mentioned, are heavily processed in the sense that there's a lot of stuff that's been done to it before you got it to make it easier to you to get, for you to get more than you might want or perhaps might need. So the more cooking you do yourself where you're using ingredients, the better off you're going to be because then you know exactly what you're putting in and how much you're getting and how much you might require or need. And again, the more you can just stay away from heavily processed foods, leaning towards lightly processed, and the more you can steer away from lightly processed foods to things that are just ingredients, the better off you're going to be. You can still have those things. You should just be conscious about it, and you should be mindful of it in the sense that that you know that that's a way to get more than you might want or need into you. Yeah, because I have to stop eating the processed meats. Uh, apparently, um, I have, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, reflux, acid reflux. Oh, yes. And that gives me a lot of problems, anything uh, processed at all. And I actually become nauseated uh, when I eat it. So I haven't eat, eaten processed meats in, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 years. Well, Joan, we really thank you for calling in with your inspirational story. I just want to get a couple more people on here quickly. Nora and Fergus, go ahead. I have the same problem as the previous woman who wants to gain weight. <laughs> Is this a problem, doctor, among uh, I... women who are a little older, maybe, that, that they're, they're losing weight? Well, people do tend to lose weight as they age. And again, yeah. I would, this is where I would say like, that we have to differentiate between want and need. Uh-huh. Um, if it's want because of some societal, if it's, if it's want or need because a doctor said you're dangerously underweight and it's affecting your health, then I get it. Um, but if, if it's just sort of a natural body's progression to lose weight as people age and there's no health risk, then I really would, would say that we really need to get away from these ideas that we ha- that there's a number we're supposed to be at that we're not. In the same way I would tell people, including myself, who may often feel like they need to lose five or ten pounds, do you really need to or do you want to? Mm-hmm. And you need to be careful of sort of overlaying sort of society and what people think is the ideal body weight onto where your body naturally wants to be and where your health might require it to be. But there is a certain weight where those of us who've been watching our weight for a long time, we feel really good at that weight. Right. But why? Is it because, again, you feel happier or is it because you feel like that's where you're supposed to be? Or is that just because you've gotten conditionally used to it? I mean, some people gain weight, some people lose weight. They can all be in a range that is totally healthy with respect to how long you're going to live, how disease-free you're going to be. And and if you could learn to live with that, you'd be a lot happier than to, to fixate on moving the needle on the scale up or down a reasonably small amount where it really doesn't make that much of a difference. And your body's fighting you every step of the way. Doctor, we've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dr. Aaron Carroll, author of The Bad Food Bible, How and Why to Eat Sinfully. You can look it up and read it for yourself. This is uh, the first show, the first official show of 2018, Fight Back with Libby Snymer. I'm Jane Brown, in for Libby uh, for the rest of most of the week. Big thank you to producer Michelle Saunders and technical producer Mirna Trogerlich. Bob Kovzik's News is coming up next on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.